Empire. What if we could put the perfect trainer in your phone? That's what we do. We use AI to basically understand the human body in real time. No sensors required. We don't push anything in the cloud. There's no hardware, but any camera, phone, tablet, laptop. You look at the human body. That took us a year to build this convolutional neural net. That's Zothet, co-founder and CEO at Exer Labs, where AI may become your new spotter at the gym. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Zothet is a serial entrepreneur with a deep background in a variety of interests. During the pandemic, gyms have been closed down or open not nearly to capacity, and that figures to change, and hopefully in the coming months. And there's definitely going to be workout regimens that have been altered since the pandemic began. And his tech is here to help you get back into your groove at your speed. Our guest this week is Zothet, who's the co-founder and CEO at Exer Labs, which is using AI to get into the fitness industry. Hey, Zoth, how are you? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, fitness in the time of a pandemic. Boy, it, it's necessary. It's needed. Um, let's just start there. Kind of how do you view the fitness industry and getting into the fitness industry in this extremely unusual time? Yeah, and it, I would add to that, it's extremely hard um, for everyone that's going through this. It feels like Groundhog Day every day. So now we're all sitting at home, sitting at desks, not moving around as much, not able to move around. Uh, fitness has never been more important. Health and wellness has never been more important, but it's also never been harder. And, you know, for a bit of background, we started Exer actually over two years ago now. So this was pre-pandemic, um, and the vision had always been, can we use AI on the edge to help augment what coaches do to provide a better experience for people when they're working out by themselves? Um, and when the pandemic hit, obviously a lot of things changed. A lot of, uh, as you know, the fitness industry moved to digital, virtual, et cetera. So it's been a nice tailwind for us. Nice is maybe not in terms of the situation we are now. But I think it's never been more important to have better digital solutions. So talk to me a little specifically about how you can enhance the workout, whether it's for professionals or, or amateur athletes. Yeah, so what we do is pretty special. So when we, so let me maybe take a step back and give you a little bit of background because there's a little bit of context that's important for it, if that's okay. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing tech startups almost for the last 21, oh wow, now 22 years at this point. So I came out to Stanford in the first dot-com bubble uh, in 98, dropped out of school, was one of those prototypical you know, Stanford students at the time in the, in the first dot-com bubble, um, dropped out after freshman year, went to go start my first company. Um, and I've basically been doing it ever since um, to varying degrees of success. Uh, and uh, after we sold our last company, I took a step back uh, and somehow backed my way into starting a venture fund. Um, now on three funds, each of them about 85 million or so investing in early stage companies. And so what I was always looking at was basically uh, dissecting a market, trying to figure out, you know, what were the real pain points for consumers? What were the real pain points for the, if it was a marketplace, the other side of the marketplace? And then what was the big tech advantage? I've been an athlete, but, you know, sort of an amateur athlete my whole life, um, you know, martial arts, volleyball, et cetera. And, 
you know, for me, after having a kid, we got, I got my wife a Peloton for Christmas, December of 17, came out of that thinking like, huh, there's really something here to this connected fitness. I used to go to the gym every day. Now I didn't have time because of kids and little ones and babies and work. And so I set off on this exploration, basically looking at the fitness industry in 2018, went through all these different components, um, looked at all the hardware manufacturers. I'm not a hardware investor, so that was difficult. Looked at all the app companies, didn't really find anything that was that interesting. It was great content, but it felt like there wasn't a tech advantage. But then we also did thousands of consumer surveys, and this is to bring it back full circle. And when we're doing these surveys, there were two things that really came out that people were saying. A, I don't know if, sorry, A, one, sorry, I don't know if I'm doing it right. That was number one, especially when I'm working out by myself, or even if I'm working out in a group at a gym. I'm in a big, you know, or small box at Barry's. There's 60 people. It's dark. Music is blaring. The instructor tells me to do RDLs. Like, am I doing this right? Is my back straight? Like, is it, is it rounded? Am I going to hurt myself? And that's just not a barrier. not to pick on barriers, but any, any studio, right? When you have a large class to instructor following. So that was number one problem. And number two problem that we heard was when I'm working out by myself, I need it to be more interactive and fun. Sure. On a, and I'm pointing, which is on a podcast is probably a faux pas, but at a Peloton or a mirror or some of these devices in my room, yeah. that's great. But if you don't have one of those, how do you do it? So that's what we do. We use AI to basically understand the human body in real time. No sensors required. We don't push anything in the cloud. There's no hardware, but it's any camera, phone, tablet, laptop. We look at the human body. That took us a year to build this convolutional neural net. Then the second piece of it is understanding what the human body is doing. So in real time, I can look at those 24 plus points on your body and tell that you're doing a squat and tell how many reps that you're doing and tell if you're doing it correctly or not and give you that feedback in a human voice in real time. So that, that's the core of what we do. And then we build a lot of applications on top of it. Could you kind of take me through the technique part of it? Because that's fascinating um, it, in how you got to the point where you looked at this problem, but you needed to build something that would actually be able to tell the consumer to change their technique. Yeah, so we looked at this problem and in 2018 when we first started working on this, uh, the big issue was that if you're just using the camera, if you use a depth sensor on an iPhone, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can see off of that in terms of the human body. It's like a connect, right? If you think about using infrared um, to see the human body. But if you're just looking at a 2D picture, which is basically what we break it down to, 60 frames a second comes off the video, we break that into a bunch of 2D pictures. How do you actually tell what is happening at any point in time? And how do you track that human body over time? So it's actually a fairly common problem um, that's been in artificial intelligence for a while, which is body pose estimation. I'm going to get geeky for a second. And my CTO will probably shoot me because I'm going to butcher this a little bit. Um, but human pose estimation has been a problem in artificial intelligence for, and computer vision for a long time. How do you just take any picture and identify Here's the top of the head, here's the nose, here's the ear, here's the right shoulder, here's the left shoulder, all the way down to, to the foot, basically. Um, and it's very, very difficult. And it's especially difficult to run on, a, uh, on what we call an edge device, which is an iPad, an iPhone, an Android device, even a laptop. If you run these things in the cloud, there are these phenomenal models. Most people know this primarily through either Face ID, you know, for an Apple phone, or if you remember you know, sort of the, the picture tagging recognition on Facebook, right? That's how most people understand these things. It's like, oh, they're suggesting like, oh, Brahms in this photo, you should tag him. Um, it's a very similar type of problem, this one involving the whole body. 
So what we had to do was train a custom data set. Uh, it's about 500 hours of images and video. Um, and we trained that to be able to understand in these athletic positions, someone doing a push-up, someone doing a burpee, someone doing a skater jump, someone doing, you know, a squat, like we were talking about earlier, to understand whether we could see all those different points. We had to literally label each one of those pictures individually, each one of those frames. Someone had to go through and say, look at the picture and say, here's the left shoulder, here's the right shoulder. And we use that to train the AI. It's called a convolutional neural net, a CNN. And then we take that and we continually make it better over time. So that's the underpinnings of what we basically do. And then we got it really small and really performant to run on a phone. And this does not need any kind of wearable or sensors or anything on the body to make it work. No, sir. Nothing. Just a camera. And which is like, could be your phone camera, could be your laptop camera, could be your iPad camera. Was there consideration for wearables for when you were building this out? We did. We looked at it. But again, kind of, as I said, I'm not a hardware investor. And so our mission from the very beginning had been, how do we democratize fitness for people that can't afford hardware or wearables? Um, And then how do we help millions of people move, train and play better? And that, you know, uh, we're, our thesis has been, there's great hardware out there. I'm sitting here in an office with a mirror, a Peloton, a Tempo. Like it's, those are phenomenal pieces of hardware, Yeah. but there's a lot of people that can't afford that hardware or don't have the space or the room or, or they're at the gym without their hardware. So um, how can we create something that is lowest common denominator that anyone can use? Can you talk about marketing for a moment? Um, like you've named some major brands. Peloton is out there, you know, putting their brand out there. The mirror, which I think is really cool technology that, that's out there now. You are, if I have it, if I could, without being offensive about it, this is this is an accessory to all of that, right? So, so how do you kind of get the message out to fitness enthusiasts to use your products in conjunction with all of these other things or um, less expensive equipment? No, that's a great question. So marketing is hard these days, right? Especially if you're doing DTC and you're doing direct to consumer, you got to spend millions and millions of dollars and you're going to do Super Bowl ads and you're going to do all sorts of different marketing campaigns. For us, the way that we saw this from the beginning was that we're going to build a two-sided platform with consumers on one side and then trainers, coaches, gyms, studios, physical therapists, whoever it is that's basically using our platform on the other side. So when we think about marketing for us, we're not a direct-to-consumer company. We're what I would call a B2B2C company. Yeah. So the people that are out getting our consumers are the gyms and studios that are using Studio, which is our live um, leaderboard companion for these virtual workouts. So like a Peloton leaderboard, but if you've got 20 people in a class that's doing a Zoom workout with you, how do you actually make it more interactive, fun, and engaging? We've got a plugin that basically goes next to your virtual workout, uses the, um, you know, uses your client's camera uh, to basically make it more fun and interactive. Uh, we have apps on the phone uh, that we're right now we're deploying out through physical therapists and orthopedic surgeon networks. Yeah. And so they're giving that to their patients and saying, hey, instead of this piece of paper, telling you the four exercises to go home. Here's actually this app that will give you feedback, count your reps, let me know how you're doing with it. So that's how we're deploying from a marketing standpoint is through our 
um, through the, through the uh, I guess I would say, the supply side of the marketplace. All right, let's talk about the other problem that you were looking at solving, which is something that falls into line with Peloton and Mirror and all these different home devices, and here we are in a pandemic. Um, let me ask a broad question first. Do you think largely people are going to go back to gyms when they can? I do. I really do. I think humans are social animals. I think we need to have connection. I miss the gym. Like I, I, I get pushed way harder when I'm in a group, especially a group class of 20 or 30 people. But I do think that there's a, a sizable percentage of people that are not going to be comfortable going back into a gym or like Peloton proved, just found the convenience of having a different kind of option at home. And so when I talk to a lot of these gym partners and studio partners, you know, they're planning for omnichannel. They know that 20 to 30% of their audience is not going to come back into a gym. And for a lot of boxes, that's their profit margin right there, right? If you lopped off 20 or 30% of any, yeah. you know, sort of box like that, you know, maybe it's break even, but maybe. so they have to have a digital channel. They have to have an omnichannel offering. And I think that's what we're, we'll continue to play in. Will people go back to the gym? Absolutely. I'm going to be one of those people. But I'll also take the opportunity to do a workout two or three times a week at home when I can't make it in. Yeah, and I guess there is still this level of community associated with it, even if it's done at home, that the gyms are going to try to maintain here and maybe through the help of technology like yours can keep that sense of not only you exercising, but you're exercising with your neighbors, your friends. It is the community aspect of it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Community is a huge component of it. And so the way that we think about our tech has always been, we're not replacing trainers, coaches, we're helping to augment what they do. And so um, will people still go into physical therapy? Absolutely. But will they now have a better experience when they're doing that at home? Yes. Will people still go into the gym? Yes. But when they're doing a virtual workout, can their coach now see where they are on the leaderboard? Uh, can their coach see how many reps they've done of the squat and wrap? Um, can their coach see if they slacked off during the workout? Maybe not in the Zoom session, but afterwards and be able to give them that quick feedback. Yeah. That's what I think we help augment. So we're excited for that future. Well, I wanted to ask you about the motivational aspect of it. Some people go with physical trainers because they want someone not only to help them with their technique, but push them to do so. Um, how does your tech kind of handle the idea of that human aspect of motivation? So motivation, as you know, is a very, very tricky thing. Uh, what we try and do is just provide prompts. And so we will say, as an example, we have uh, a demo app out in the app store that's been out there for uh, almost nine months now that just helps people with a plank, as an example. It's called Perfect Plank. Yeah. People can download it, which we don't do any marketing to it. It just is to help us test different parts of our platform. We have a bunch of different voices on there, as an example, different coaches um, that are helping coach people through a plank. And so if they see their hips dropping, uh, the coach's voice will come on and say, hey, we see your hips going a little low. Can you try and bring that back up? And what we see is that that works phenomenally well to get people, you know, to their personal record on a plank with good form. So if you can provide this constant bit of, of feedback and motivation and make it friendly, right? You know, one of our co-founders was is one of the top performance coaches in the U.S. And so we've constantly tried to take that ethos into it, which is, we're not trying to beat people down. We're trying to give them encouragement and we're trying to give them feedback. It's complicated to, to build into a, you know, into an AI, but um, I think we've done a pretty good job and we're going to continually try and get better. Um, tell me a little bit about your background. You had mentioned that you've, you've started a lot of businesses. You've been part of a lot of venture. Um, how did you land on fitness and, and where were you before this? Were you in sports or fitness technology? 
No, not at all. Um, it, kind of as I, as I mentioned briefly on the top, I was on the venture side. I had started um, an early stage venture fund called Signia Venture Partners uh, with a couple of other partners. Uh, we were looking at basically trying to remodel, uh, so to speak, you know, how early stage investing was done, writing bigger checks into companies, going deep into spaces. Um, I've been an entrepreneur prior to that for, you know, 12, 13 years, uh, then started this fund. Honestly, I never really expected to find myself back on the entrepreneur operator side. Uh, but when we got to the point where we got this AI working on a phone, um, you know, I just, I had to go do it full time. Like I was waking up thinking about it, going to bed, thinking about it, thinking about it in the shower. And we incubate a lot of companies inside of, inside of uh, what was my venture firm, obviously still affiliated with it. But I just had never got to the point where I was so passionate about, you know, trying to help uh, this many, the capability to help this many people. Hopefully we get there. You never know, obviously in this business, but that's why I decided to make the leap back. And, you know, after, acquiescing to a list of my wife's 10 demands. Uh, we finally got there and we were able to go. Um, one other thing I want to ask you about your background. Um, you have worked with the United Nations um, as a council member on their global entrepreneurs. Um, can you just tell me about that experience and, and what the United Nations, what you all talk about? What, it, what, is, what is the goal of that foundation? Yeah, so um, United Nations was actually, foundation was actually uh, founded by Ted Turner um, and Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. This is the, the beauties of working from home. Um, and um, Mr. Turner had started this uh, to basically, you know, enable the U.S.'s participation more in the United Nations and to fund some of the deficit. So it was just a really interesting opportunity to work broadly across a lot of different global initiatives. Um, I've always been very passionate about giving back. Um, and, you know, the, the U.N. Foundation, you know, for the last four years, obviously, it's been a little bit trickier. Now, I think, obviously, with the new administration, it'll be a little bit easier for the foundation to work with the U.N. and kind of help the U.S. integrate better with the U.N. Um, and as you know, the U.N. has a broad global mandate across the, uh, you know, a uh, bunch of the different uh, uh, millennium goals and other things that we're doing around climate change, around, you know, uh, disease, which is obviously relevant to what's going on now. So um, it, was a, it was a phenomenal opportunity. Uh, I felt very lucky to work with them and, and continue to, you know, support their initiatives. Um, all right, so let's wrap up the fitness thing. Um, where's it going? Where, where do you think the industry is? Like, could, could you give me just some kind of overview of having worked in this industry to break through to help um, emphasize it and help grow it? Where is what is the direction of the exercise industry in your view? Yeah, I mean, if I had a crystal ball, it would be um, I think there is going to be a lot of consolidation obviously commercial real estate and some of these other issues that we're seeing some of the big box gyms already starting to go through chapter 11, some of the studios going through that we're seeing holding companies like Expo or exponential and, and others, uh, fit lab, et cetera, that are starting to build these amazing experiences. Um, I think there's going to be a rise of digital only studios and digital only experiences. We're already seeing that as part of the pandemic. And I think that will continue. And then I think there's going to be, um, folks that are coming out, there's some really interesting stuff uh, like SiloFit and others that are creating mini boxes for people to go and work out. Uh, whether a tech like Exer can help augment that with X, with AI and other components. Um, you know, I think wellness, especially for this younger generation like the Gen Z, is a really important thing. Um, much more so than I think even in 
in my generation or older generations. And so um, I saw this great quote. I can't remember who said it, that wellness is the, is the, is the next luxury item. Yeah. And whether that's fitness or mental wellness, you know, I think it's only gonna, the, the category is only going to get bigger over time. And, and I think that's going to be great for everyone. You know, we had talked to um, a couple of the CEOs of the wearable technologies, and they're mentioning essentially the same thing that you are, which is wellness and preventative wellness and um, looking ahead towards your wellness, that they feel like that that's a new frontier here, that why are you going to your doctor um, once a year when you may or may not be sick, when you could actually be in front of your wellness consistently and go there when you need to? Um, I, and it sounds like you're kind of on a similar page in terms of exercise and fitness that it will tell you things about your body that you don't need an expert to tell you on some kind of set date. Yeah, I think that's right. So the, the capability for a technology like ours is if you have time to go in with a personal trainer, fantastic. If your personal trainer prescribes you something uh, and says, hey, you need to do this every day, I can't necessarily be there or you don't necessarily want to pay me to be there, but I'm working with Exer and you can use my voice to provide you feedback. I can see your results. I can understand what you did during that week. I think whether it's quantified self or just better tracking in terms of people's health, that movement is only going to continue. You know, we've got Apple watches, we've got whoops, we've got all these different devices at yeah. our house and they're, and they're super helpful. Um, but I think you've, you've got to still, you got to move, um, you got to move to feel better. And so, you know, our mission is to basically help that process. All right. I'll let you go with this. Um, you, you told me a story before we started taping this, that you actually were on the prices, right? Which at this juncture, considering we're all in our houses and not getting out, we're all living vicariously through other people's past experiences because no one's having anything interesting new happening. So you want to give me the short version of how you actually got on the prices, right? And, and competed on that show. So short version is I did not compete. I got on the screen for maybe about 20 seconds. Uh, we would all go down every year. We'd caravan down to the prices, right? We would, uh, this is in college. Uh, we would all um, spend uh, a, a good amount of time having fun and then show up for the show to get in line in the audience that day. They would go through and interview the audience that was showed up in the line that day to basically figure out who was going to compete in this show. I was obviously not funny enough or not charismatic enough to get on the show, but one of my buddies did. Um, and he, funnily enough, got on the show, ended up winning the Showcase Showdown, ah. which horribly enough was, for a college student, was not a trip to the Bahamas, but was a complete set of, of home furniture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we all stormed the stage uh, and had a good old time. And that was my 15 seconds of fame. But the worst part about it and, and then we'll, I'll, I'll end this horrible story is that you get hit with taxes with that. And so you actually have to pay taxes on whatever the value of that furniture was. So we had this horrible time trying to sell this furniture secondhand from the prices, right. Just to pay the taxes. Uh, luckily, I think at that point we were all seniors in college. So some of us bought it to go off to our, you know, first, uh, first, you know, apartment or whatever it was living outside of, of the dorms. And, uh, yeah, I remember we've uh, we've been hanging out on Prices Right furniture. We hung out on Prices Right furniture for about ten years. It was, was it Barker Prices Right or the Drew Carey Prices Right? Oh no, no, no. We're I'm I'm old enough. This is the Barker Prices ah. Right. This is back in two thousand one. All right, the legend. Yeah, the legend. Yeah. <laughs>
The legend. Sure. <laughs> the legend. He was great. And you know what I have to say? Like in between, you know, they would do these commercial cuts and he was, I don't know how old he was at that point, but he was still cutting it up with the audience, making sure everyone was laughing yeah. and engaged. It was a, it was a treat to see. That's cool. Zothet is the co-founder and the CEO at Exer Labs. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast, access necessary video to help a team train and adjust is getting easier. So the first piece is film. The second is statistics. And then the, the third, which is where we're kind of headed now, is into the instantaneous sideline replay piece. Uh, there are a couple of players in the market that are doing each of those things. Some, some are doing it well. Uh, the tour break, what kind of caught my eye and blew me away really was the fact that it was all packed into one app. That's Wes Sims, co-founder of Scorebreak, a service that is modernizing how teams organize their mountain of video data. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.